0: I was literally talking to my homeboy earlier about just how intimate the act of sex is. It's literally the closest you could be with somebody. And I I feel like my awkwardness has saved me a lot in this department in the way of being very intentional about who I'm vulnerable with.
1: This
2: is Sanctified, the litest church service where hot girls and holiness align. And we are your hosts. I'm Deborah Joy Winans. I'm a wife, a mother, an actor, but most importantly, I'm a lover. And I'm LaVon Briggs, Emmy Award winner,
1: Joy Chaser, and a Queens girl. And when my old church asked me to wear stockings, I bought fishnets. And this is the kind of church that rocks with the Megan the Stallions just as much as the Mahalia Jacksons.
2: On Sanctified, we center the testimonies of sisters who are figuring out their faith authentically. And we're going to ruffle some of the saints feathers y'all. But we will always leave you feeling affirmed and loved. You ready, Lavon? Let's go get them. Yeah. Lavon. DJ, how you feeling, girl?
1: I am magnificent. How are you? I am very well.
2: You know, thank God. Eva Shondo, you
1: know, (laughs) I'm glad that you're well. I am absolutely positively aware of what's happening around us right now. Tis the season of Lent. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And I went out to eat when I was in Atlanta for brunch and I ordered a porterhouse steak. Mm. And the woman next to me was like, it's Lent. What you doing ordering that steak? And I'm like, first of all, as a Black woman in America, I don't need to make any more sacrifices than I've already made. She was like, well, I still fast for Lent. She was like from meat and alcohol. And I looked at her drink. She was like, you know, except I take a break on Sundays. I
2: was uh, like, Girl, That's number one. And number two, your fast is your fast.
1: Your fast is your fast, but don't judge me. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And then you over here making concessions. So I understand that abstaining and fasting can really support your spiritual journey. And so I'm curious, DJ, have you ever abstained from or given up something for Lent, for a fast, for God?
2: Growing up in the church I grew up, when I fasted, it had nothing to do with Lent. I didn't really find out about Lent till I was in undergrad. And I was like, well, what is that? (laughs) I didn't know anything about it. But fasting at the top of the year, every year was the thing at our church. At the top of the year, we got to bring the year in right. We got to fast. We got to... Put some things on the altar. We need to tell God what we need, what we want. We got to give of ourselves. And I think I fasted about three times in my 39 years. Mm. I knew that that's not what God had for me during my last fast. And my husband also knew this. He was like, this ain't for you. You need to eat. (laughs) We can't do this. (laughs) And so I had to learn that when I really felt like I wanted to give something to God, it didn't always have to be food. Mm Mm-hmm. I could set aside time and be like, you know what? I'm not getting on social media right now. I've made a practice of getting up every day and checking this. So I'm not going to do that. I'm good for a digital detox. Look, well, you know,
1: I always love to talk about my holiest Pentecostal phase, honey. And for that good Friday, holy Saturday, Easter Sunday, we would fast only water all day, Friday, Saturday. And then Sunday, we would break that fast with this really special soup that our co-pastor would make. And that's how we would do our sunrise service. So it was like really beautiful and done in community, but I don't really fast per se when someone's like, you need to be fasting right now.
2: There are things to abstain from. Mm -hmm. And I remember growing up, I did not fully understand these things. Girl. (laughs) Because you talk about abstaining and then you also talk about celibacy. And when you look up the definitions, Abstinence is the fact or practice of restraining oneself from indulging in something. Mm. Celibacy is the state of abstaining sexual relations. And so I thought growing up that abstinence and celibacy were the same thing. Like you just, I don't even know, I'm just, I'm absent, I'm celibate. And I'm talking about being celibate. And I'm just like, Right. But I ain't never had. Celibate. Because I'm absolutely having a Roman coat. Right. So. Did you understand the difference between being abstinent and celibacy? Absolutely not. I was definitely using the words interchangeably. And I
1: was celibate, actually, for eight years. Wow. Yeah.
2: That's a long time.
1: It was a very trying time as well.
2: And here's the thing. I think that we are going to get into things today that people will fall on one side or the other. And Mm -hmm. it is all gravy. I believe abstinence is very commendable. Mm -hmm, For sure. I tried to make that choice. Mm -hmm. And also, if you fall on the side that it's not the choice that you've made, it's okay. There is Nothing wrong with either. right? But I do think that it is very commendable and it shows a very large amount of strength and discipline to be able to make this vow of abstinence and continue on this journey and to do it because it is a choice that you have made to God. And if that's not the choice that you've made, you may be like me, sis, and and you didn't fully make it. You are where you're supposed to be. There's no shame in that.
1: I heard you say, DJ, that you tried to make the choice. And I think you made the choice and you did the best that you could. I feel like experiences are going to happen because we're divinely designed to react to stimuli. And if he looking good and he's smelling good and y'all getting along good, you know what I mean? Yeah. Your your loin's going to start to tingle, okay? Well, exactly what you mean. (laughs) And so because those urges and those desires are natural and God-given, I feel like experiencing shame around sexual experiences actually prohibits us from fully knowing and loving God. Because if you don't love yourself, you can't say that you love God. And I think that shame is such a horrible part of our acculturation in the church because shame doesn't come from God. That shame comes from people. And that kind of shame imposed by people, namely Christians, in the name of God, is so damaging. And as Christians, we're supposed to be like Christ, right? Well, Jesus didn't shame us around sex and sexuality.
2: And trying to attach your morality to what you do or you don't do with your body does not work. It really doesn't. You can have all the sex in the world, and actually be a good person. You can have zero sex and be a terrible, unkind person. And so the idea that our morality is attached to the things that we do or do not do with our body can lead us into just some myths and misconceptions that are happening with this sort of taboo subject. And child, there are many. Look, the idea that God is through with you if you have sex. Mm or engage in some sort of sex outside of the covenant of marriage. Mm -hmm. If he was, if he was through with me, I wouldn't have a life. We wouldn't be (laughs) unsanctified. Girl, that is such a myth to think that if you have sex outside of the covenant of marriage, that God is no longer on your side. Right. The Bible is full of people that prove that, that that's not true. There is David mm-hmm. Bathsheba with somebody else's, honey. Uh, you've got Rahab. Mm. There are so many people that show you God loves you regardless of what you are doing or not doing with your body. Period. And so that just doesn't work to me.
1: It doesn't because ultimately it comes down to trying to control people. And that brings me to our second myth, which is that abstinence only teachings will keep young people from having sex. T- as a former youth and young adult pastor, can confirm that does not work. <laughs> not sharing all of the facts with young people is having devastating consequences in the U.S. Teaching young people about abstinence is good, right? And so is teaching them about contraception and sexually transmitted diseases and infections. They need all of the information so that they know what they're stepping into if they decide to be sexually active. Mm-hmm. Also, according to data from the Sexuality Information and Education Council of the United States, the top 15 states with the highest rate of teen pregnancies all teach and emphasize abstinence only. Out of those states, seven (laughs) don't require sex education at all. So you just don't know what's going on with your body. Additionally, 12 out of the top 15 states with the highest rate of teen pregnancies are located in the southern part of the U.S. It's something about that Bible Belt, child. Mm-hmm. Some they be trying to make it a chastity belt and it just don't work that way. Because wh- whether you teach children about their bodies or not, they're going to discover sex and sexuality because it's
2: natural. So let's help them make the best decisions possible. Exactly. Set them up to succeed. Don't set them up for failure. It's just don't do it. But don't do it or what? Right. What can happen? What's going on? Help me understand my body. I think that's a lot of what we missed growing up. It was always don't do this. This is a sin. Tell me about this body that God made. My whole body's not a sin. That part. God made me. Really
1: quickly, DJ, have you and your husband talked about how you're going to talk to your son about sex and sexuality?
2: We're going to be real with him. Love it. Because I think that we've seen how not being fully transparent and honest, how that has not gotten people where they want and should be.
3: Mm -hmm.
2: I mean, even talking about a husband, a a lot of times I think we were taught that abstinence is going to get you a good husband. Child, keep your legs closed. God going to send you a husband. A good one. (laughs) I 100% believe that when you make this vow and you stay disciplined and dedicate this time because you feel like this is what God is calling you to do. Mm -hmm. I do not believe you're going to miss out. I believe that whatever God has for you is going to be great. So hear me when I say that I believe that 100%. I also believe that if that is not the choice you've made, that does not mean you are condemned to not have a good husband. Your husband going to be janky and your kid going to be terrible and you going to be, you know what I mean? Ashy. So I think it's just this idea, this myth that is attached to if you do this, then you will get this. Right. That also sounds very conditional. Right now, I think we're just trying to debunk the fact that. If you do this, you're just gon- you just going, you going to get this man. And that's just not the case. I think it's been used to make women conform to a certain image that people have seen us as instead of letting us be who we truly are. That part. You know?
1: Yeah, I do know. In fact, I know we're talking about if you choose this or you don't choose this, but I also think there's like an in-between. It's not necessarily either or, it's a both and. Because even if you make the choice, there's a spectrum, right, of like, I'm totally abstinent or I'm like totally sexually active. I'm thinking of (laughs) two of my really good friends from college. They were both virgins and spiritual leaders in our community. And we just knew during their courtship that they were going to get married and have like the big fat wedding. And it was going to be, you know, the Holy of Holies. We were staying at the church uh, working on a play and I went out to run some errands. And when I came back, I went upstairs to a room that I would stay in, in the building. And the lights were off. So I didn't think anyone was in the room. But when I turned on the lights, them two virgins was on the bed, child. Now they weren't, you know, having sexual intercourse, but they were doing something, child. And I was like, well, 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 what have we here? Even though they were these, they were like couple goals to the Christians on campus, right? It still went to show that it doesn't matter how quote unquote holy you are, how righteous you are, how much you are like the spiritual leader, your loins still gonna tingle, child. And so it really will help us to redefine and expand our understanding of abstinence, celibacy, sexually active, inactive, in between. Like, what we doing, child? How are we going to do this a little bit better for the folks coming behind us?
2: Absolutely. And I think one of those things in sort of redefining what this can be Is recognizing that this choice is made between you and God. Mm -hmm. And it should have absolutely nothing to do with how anybody else will perceive you. It is a choice, a decision that you consult God about. Right. And if you're making it because so and so gonna see you and they're gonna wonder where you've been and what you did, and so you don't wanna have to lie, and so you gotta make this choice. No, 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 no. You cannot make choices. About your life Mm -hmm. based on what other people think and feel. My God, preach. You can't do it. I did it for a long time. And then what you end up doing is when you feel like you did fall short or you made a mistake. You kind of go into a hole because you don't want to bring shame to them, and you don't want them to find out you're not the perfect person that they thought you were. And so then you sort of hide out, and then you feel shame. You know that might make it easier for you to do it again, or then you feel like you you find ways to cover it up so that they'll never think it and they'll never guess it. And so you live in this whole life that's a facade, right? That's not a life to live, honey. Mm-mm.
1: No, it's not. Or I can think of times where I felt like I wasn't living right, you know, quote unquote, or I was backsliding and I wouldn't go to church. (laughs) I was like, they're going to see it on me. You know, my pastor would call me and be like, you wasn't in church today. Where you at? What's going on? And those are the times when we should be leaning into our community and debunking this second myth, I think will help us to do that, right? When we know that God knows and understands our body's natural urges and desires, because God gave them to us (laughs) to be lived out in healthy, consensual, adult, pleasurable ways. You know, sex is one of the taboo things that many of our parents and church leaders rarely, if ever, discuss with us beyond don't do it or you're going to hell. And that can lead us, even as adult women, to be so embarrassed to talk about it to the point where we don't even bring it to God, child, Mm -hmm. who already knows. So do you see how that, like, can prohibit our relationship with God. You don't want to talk to God about this thing, but God already knows. But the shame of the people is blocking your relationship with God. Mm -mm. We got to dissolve that, honey.
2: What's so interesting is sometimes the shame comes on so strong because of what you've been taught and how people see you and how they've given their perspective. You don't realize it's a perspective because they give it to you as like, this is what you need to be doing or else ain't pleased, right? that shame comes on so hard that even the people that are really just trying to break through that God is using to let you know you are held and loved, you don't even want to answer their calls. That's so real. Because it takes you down. And I can remember I had a moment in grad school mm. and I just felt so shamed. I wasn't talking to anybody that had the last name Winans. I was not answering the phone. I was not picking it up. And it's not that anybody knew anything. I felt so much shame. And it got to a point where my grandmother, and she didn't do this all the time. She called me six or seven weeks straight. Mm. She just kept calling. And I kept like, "Mm -mm, not answering. Wow. Finally, I picked up the phone and I picked it up in shame. I just said, hey, grandma. And she said, honey, where you been? I said, oh, just here in school in L.A. And she was like, I've been trying to call you to tell you I love you. I love you. And when I tell you I was in tears, LaVon, shame is not God given. It is man made and it is not designed for us to flourish and succeed.
1: That part. And you said on a recent episode that, you know, God is on the loudspeaker calling us. And that was your grandmother calling you. And there is no shame in choosing abstinence or not choosing abstinence, as long as you have grace for yourself throughout the process and you accept the grace from others. I think anytime shame causes you to disconnect from your community, you're also disconnecting from God. And I just, I want so desperately for Black women to feel held and loved by God and by their community
2: and by themselves. Mm -hmm. That is the beautiful thing. I think that um, once you are able to recognize what shame is and that God is not a part of it, that is when you can really open your eyes and see you for who God has truly made you to be and love it. It took a long time for me to really see that and love it. Cool, And so our testifier today, I'm excited to have. I think she is absolutely wonderful, and I think that she is flourishing in the choices that she has made. Today we have Whitney Davis, who is the Christian comedian who has Instagram and stitches with her <laughs> hilarious videos about relationships. When it's really funny, it's got to be hilarious. Mm-hmm. Her videos on dating and waiting for the right mate. She is the co-creator of the Wit series on YouTube, which is in its second series season AAA and she has gone viral time and time again for her transparent and relatable content and just her sweet spirit so let's hear Whitney's testimony now
0: my name is Whitney Davis and this is my testimony I would describe my relationship with God as an intimate space. I was raised in the church, and so my relationship with Him started very young. Growing up apostolic Pentecostal, there are a lot of rules. So sometimes you just follow the rules because that's what you're taught, and you don't want to go into hellfire. In church, it's kind of a taboo subject to talk about sex. So my introduction to sex was, it's a sin. It's fornication or adultery depending on the choice, when you're not taught sex in a way of it being healthy and in the way of God creating it to be experienced in marriage, then it it feels shameful. So growing up, when my friends started having sex, it was like middle school slash high school. And I seen my friends going through so many things. So I made a vow to God when I was about 16 to keep my uh, virginity until marriage I wouldn't say it's been hard, but I wouldn't say it's been easy. When you agree to something with the Lord, you don't know how long it's going to be. So you'd be like mid-20s, you're like, Jesus, okay, this must, <laughs> this the plan, <laughs> okay? I was half almost in love when I was 25, and I experienced oral sex with um, this guy, and it was a game changer. The guy, he felt really, really happy about it, and I left feeling really the opposite. <laughs> And I remember I cried and talked to my cousin and my sister and they was like, just take it easy, you know, because I felt like, man, I'm just such a huge disappointment because I'm thinking about what people say. Now they're not going to say I'm a complete version because I've experienced sex and, you know, because it's technicalities with sin and different things. And so uh, me and him, we didn't work out, but that experience definitely let me know that I'm just human and I need the Holy Spirit to guide my actions and help me navigate because, these bodies we in, they get weak. What they say, the spirit is strong, but the flesh ain't benching nothing. What I've learned to do is just be real with myself. And with so many seasons of singleness, you can be hopeless. And so in those moments, I've just learned to identify how I feel. I journal. And at the end of the day, I just point myself to his word. He has plans to prosper me. If I believe that then I know there's an expected end. I know there's hope for a future. And he ain't about to just play with me my whole life. So Lord help me help me to find hope in the hopeless moments and be okay with the in-between. So I would encourage the person who's deciding to be abstinent to know that your worth does not settle in what you've experienced. Get to know yourself, get to love yourself, be patient with yourself, kind to yourself, because God has you on this journey for a reason. And it's really protection. Just knowing that you're worthy of God's promise and knowing that he's faithful to deliver just what he said, letting patience have a perfect work that you will be entire wanting nothing. And I feel like that wanting nothing includes in the bedroom. So stay encouraged whoever you are. My name is Whitney Davis, and that is my testimony. We'll be right back with the fellowship
1: after this.
2: Hi, Whitney. Welcome to Sanctify. We are so happy to have you here and thank you so much for sharing your really beautiful testimony with us.
0: Thanks. I'm excited just to be here amongst beautiful women and talk about
1: life. Yes. Yes. Because you are giving us life, sis. Okay. You are absolutely, like DJ said before, hilarious. So- We want to know about how you've integrated your hilarity into your celibacy journey. So what role does humor play in your celibacy journey?
0: Life is humorous just in general. I'm just really good with making light of situations that can be serious. Yeah, the Bible says that
2: laughter is medicine for the soul child. So, I believe, sis, you need a community that understands you, that can rally around you because... Where do you find the strength? And I say this as a woman who 100% tried. And it took me later on in life to kind of come to grips with where I was and what God has for me and what my life is like. And so, where do you find the strength? Where do you draw the strength from? So,
0: we're all human and we all have these natural desires that the Lord has given us so beautifully. And honestly, I, I find the strength. One, from God, but two, from the purpose behind it. I definitely have to keep a, a strong attachment to my why. And my comedy's pretty awkward based. And I, I feel like I was literally talking to my homeboy earlier about just how intimate the act of sex is. It's literally the closest you could be with somebody. And I, I feel like my awkwardness has saved me a lot in this department, in the way of being very intentional about who I'm vulnerable with. And so with that being my background and just my
2: my makeup, it, it hasn't been the most difficult. So you say you have to stay attached to your why. and And in your testimony, you talk about You know, when some of your friends were having sex early on and sort of the turmoil that it caused, you were able to set up boundaries and make this vow. Has that why sort of changed now that you're in your early 30s?
0: Yes, it definitely has. When I first, you know, made a vow to God and um, just decided to keep my virginity, it was more so because I grew up pretty religious And I would just see people's stories. I watch and learn a lot. So I'm like, you know what? If I don't have to experience that, I don't really want to. I'm not the go and see type. I'm like, oh, that's what that's about. (laughs) You know? And so that definitely helped me. And and two, being connected to transparent people who will share depths about stuff. You know, I appreciate stories for sure. Um, As I gotten older, if I'm being completely transparent, I don't know what my mind going to be like by the time I do it. Because just going through healing just from default living, I'm not trying to add nothing to my story. So marriage is the safest option at this point.
2: I think that's beautiful because you understand who you are and you're making sure you're getting what you need. Mm. Because abstinence can be a touchy subject for people. Which it shouldn't, but things have been so taboo because of the way we grew up. Personal experience is something that you cannot change. It is what it is. How has your choice and decision to be abstinent enhanced your life? Because most times people only think about what they can't have. It's like, oh, I can't have this and I can't do that. But how has it enhanced your life?
0: That's a really great question. And I love the flip around because it, It seems like deprivation every time people talk about it, you know, and it's not often talked about the good ways. And so I would say, one, no pregnancy scares. (laughs) Praise (laughs) the Lord. That's a real blessing. Yes. Two, knowing where my energy is going in life. If you can control your sex drive, you can definitely um, go crazy with your purpose, you know, and put... 100% into the reason why you're here.
1: And it's like, I'm truly grateful for that. Listen, I've definitely prayed a God, please don't let me be pregnant prayer two or three or four times in my life. So (laughs) I get it. I absolutely get it. And I think it's in those moments that we come to terms with our relationship with God, even as we are, you know, learning how to express and embrace our sex and sexuality as black women. And a part of the journey is being honest with ourselves. And in your testimony, you mentioned feeling shame after a particular sexual encounter. I've been there, had somebody go down on me, rolled over, started crying, had somebody lick at my nipples, rolled over, started crying, child just. Rolled over, started crying is the main thing, right? It's the rollover. (laughs) It's the rollover. (laughs) And it was the the aftercare, like the love and the care that I had to show myself to get back to a place where I'm like, okay, God, here we go. So how did you show yourself grace after that? And how do you continue to show yourself grace, you know, today? Just to backtrack on that situation,
0: I think it's important for people who are celibate or virgins because I feel like there's a sense of pride that you can have. Like I haven't done, you know, I can't relate in which I used to function in when my friends would tell me about certain stuff because I couldn't. But later on, I could recognize that it was a type of pride. And so when that happened, I was like, I'm regular human. This is what the body talking about. Game changer.
1: <laughs>
0: you know, he's experienced. He know what he's doing. And And so it's like, in that situation we we had different um foundational beliefs and so he was ready to get married he was on cloud 9 and i was convicted and condemned by all the thoughts cuz the thing about growing up religious sometimes people don't share their true testimony cuz it's like people have dirt on you or like what's the details about your virginity what have you done and so that thought flooded me. Like, well, now you're not pure, pure. Bruh, but your thoughts, have your thoughts been pure? So I, I had to show myself that it's, it's not a make or break. Jesus already died for my sins. You know, I have to set myself free from that moment. It's just those details of kind of grabbing yourself out of shame and all the things that can hold you captive That's kind of how I showed myself grace. I talked to my cousin and my big sister and they was like, just take it easy on yourself. I'm crying like it's, they like, just relax. You're going to be fine, (laughs) you know? So that, that was a blessing to
1: have people who love me. Yeah. It reminds me of my college roommate who was in a relationship with a man who sent her, I mean, common lyrics, fresh flowers. Like he was doing everything right, you know? And so when they had sex, she just felt horrible about it. I was the one friend that was like, what is the problem here? Because this man is so good to you. But that's me. And I can't put my stuff onto other people. I have to support my sisters where they are, right? And like the way they want to walk out their journey. The thing that is interesting to me though, is that you mentioned the man was like experienced and ready to get married. And none of the men that I was with rolled over and cried. So I want us to like, have some space in this conversation because so much has changed over the years when it comes to dating and marriage. So how has abstinence influenced your dating life in your thirties as opposed to your college years? Maturity just within myself, because the Lord blocked,
0: it was actually the same gentleman, but he blocked a few times I was supposed to meet him. And I know it was protection because I would have lost it because I was so in love and all these things. But I think in your 30s, you can have a little bit of a more sober mind. And so when I date guys, depending on the trajectory of where I could see us going, I might not even mention it. My conversation isn't sexual with guys. So I be making them laugh. You know, we usually be talking about like purpose in life. So if sex come up. Then the way I navigate around the conversation definitely gives them an idea because culture is different now. I talk to guys and you'd be like, OK, well, you on
1: that. Right. What color is your areolas? like, whoa, whoa, <laughs> girl, sir, <laughs> she she. I'm screaming. But do you find that being jokey jokey with men, does that put you in the friend zone sometimes or does it help romance?
0: It depends on the guy. I don't have that much dating experience. I'm really good with icebreakers just when I'm starting to talk to a guy. (laughs) And like, you know, seeing what they like and different things is is very friend-like. But the times I've transitioned into romance, it hasn't been a tough time because I feel like there's, you know, there's seeds you plant throughout friendship where you be like, hey, I kind of like you like that.
1: Okay, Period. So, speaking of what you like, girl, what qualities are you looking for in your ideal mate? Because, you know, DJ and I, we want to be on the lookout for you, sis, because mm-hmm. we got you. Qualities change over the years, don't they? hmm. How many you want, girl? In the words of Ebony Denise Moore, highest imagination. Yeah,
0: yeah. I think above all, I really do want a man after God's own heart. He don't got to be no preacher. He don't got to be. It's just his lifestyle is. Is after Christ in the kingdom because that's who I am to my roots. So that's th- equally yoked. If I could ever say <laughs> sense of humor, I love to laugh. Yeah, you could make me laugh. Oh boy, family oriented. I, I love when men um, have healthy relationships in their in their lives. And you could tell men's friendships what type of men they are, what kind of friends who they have. Can they maintain relationships? Just friendships. How do they treat their parents? And then too, it's like be passionate about what you got going on in life. That's about it. Those are the mains.
2: Those are the core. But like, are are you looking for a caramel macchiato? Are you looking for a mixture of sorts? What, what you're looking for? Does it need to be black and proud? Like what? What? <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I usually
0: start with the looks, but I've been really trying to break away from it. so. If I could just speak freely, okay, I would love over six two because I'm
2: five nine and a half. So me too. We're the same exact height. I want to be that tall. I'm only five seven. I'm actually five six and a half, but I say five seven. <laughs> and you're the average woman's height. So it heels, you Gucci in the crowd. Uh uh-uh. uh. See, no, don't take that from me, Whitney. The average woman's height is like five five.
0: You know what? You're right.
2: I'm five six and a half.
0: So, I ain't gonna hold you. Growing up, I, I was a light skinned fan, pretty boy. I, I definitely was. As I've gotten older, I'm feeling the color. I really enjoy pigmentation. I'm here for the melanation. Yes. So, for sure, tall, dark, and handsome. I, I'm an athlete. Athletic build, that's nice. You got some shoulders on you. Hey. Now, what kind of athlete? We talking basketball player, running back, what we. You don't gotta be swole. I'm a basketball retired athlete, so slim and, you know, muscles let me know you like the gym.
2: You visit there every once in a while.
1: Right. I love it. Like an action figure. Slick, slick. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for sharing your vision with us. Keep dreaming. You got to be clear when you go to
2: God. You can't be like, you know what I like? Just no. Tell God what you want. Yeah, you got to say it. Whitney, thank you for being here. Thank you for spending time with us. Thank you for being transparent. Mm -hmm. Thank you for just being real. I think one of the biggest reasons why I said yes to this was because I felt like a lot of times, at least for me growing up in church, there weren't enough honest, real conversations. And I think it allowed me to think differently of myself because I was just in this mist of bad information about who God was. And so to have honest conversations has been the goal. And this is really, really lovely. And you're just a really beautiful soul.
0: Thank y'all so much. This has been a a blast. And thanks for creating a a safe space for comfort to be felt. It definitely feels warm and non-judgmental and just clear atmosphere, so I'm grateful for that, for sure. You're
1: worthy, beloved. We really enjoyed you.
2: Truly. Many, many thanks to Whitney. We're going to take a short break, but coming up next, it's offering time.
1: before we get to the offering, we got some church announcements.
2: We are so very grateful for all the love you've been showing sanctified. It is affirming and we feel it. And we want to continue to build and welcome more of you into the sanctified community. So we need you to do a couple things. Okay. Number one, please tap the follow button. So you are notified of everything we do over here at sanctified.
1: Numero dos, don't forget to rate us on the Spotify app. Tap the star
2: and give us five of them things, child. And tap that bell so you are notified as soon as a new episode is released. All right, all hearts and minds are clear. That's
1: it for our church announcements. Let's get into the offering. It's offering time. Here at Sanctified, we do offering a little differently.
2: Offering time at Sanctified is where we bring affirming words to offer to you. And today was such a beautiful, robust episode. Whitney is so funny. So I'm so grateful that she came and shared and was just so open and honest and thoughtful. I want our listeners to know that if abstinence is your choice, that is beautiful. Mm -hmm. If abstinence... Was your choice, and you feel like you were a bit derailed, that is also beautiful. Mm-hmm. And if abstinence was not your choice, that is beautiful. Yes. And more importantly, walk away from this knowing that whatever you have been through, whether it's recent, whether it's in your past, know that there is no shame or condemnation and give grace and receive grace. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because
1: grace abounds. There is an abundance of grace. And it's in the same vein that there's an abundance of grace that you get to revisit your why. That's my offering for today is to encourage you, beloved, to revisit your why. Really get quiet and go inward and reflect. Maybe even journal during your prayer time or during your meditation time and revisit, perhaps you started this journey when you were in high school or college or grad school. And now some years, maybe some decades have gone by. You're not the same person that you were those years ago. And so what has changed about you? What has changed about your desires? You get to take time to be inquisitive and nosy (laughs) about yourself. Yes, the scriptures are sacred. Yes, the doctrine helped keep us on the straight and narrow during a particular time and season, but also what is God trying to expand in our worldview and in our personal walk as we shift
2: forward and mature. Thank you so much for joining us on Sanctified today. Yes. And please come on back and get sanctified with us next week and bring a sister friend. Or two. Or three. Also,
1: and email us at sanctified at to let us know what you'd like to hear us talk about. And remember, beloved, you You are worthy.
3: Sanctified is a Spotify original series produced in partnership with Jamel Hills Unbothered Network, Lodge Freeway Media, and Exit 39, hosted by Deborah Joy Winans and LaVon Briggs. From Unbothered Network, Lodge Freeway Media, and Exit 39, Executive producers are Jamel Hill and Evan Dick. Head of content for Unbothered is Christina Tapper. Head of network production and operations is Rich Berner. Creative producer is Ashley J. Hobbs. Editor is Ayanna Angel. And associate producer is Rachel J. Pilgrim. From Spotify, executive producer is Christina Tapper. Creative executive is Grace Delia. Senior program manager is Jessica Dow. And program manager is Jenna Lonergan. Special thanks to all the cross-functional teams at Spotify that helped bring this program to life. This episode includes original music produced by Cheyenne G. New episodes of Sanctified come out every Wednesday only on Spotify. So be sure to hit that follow button so you never miss an episode.